This SCCM Eye Critical Care podcast is sponsored by Astute Medical. Astute is dedicated to identifying and validating protein biomarkers that can serve as the basis for novel diagnostic tests. Astute's novel renal biomarkers, TIMP2 and IGF-BP7, are now commercially available in the U.S. as the NephroCheck test. Innovative biomarkers, smarter healthcare. You can find us at astutemedical.com. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Azra Behorik, MD, MS, and Charles E. Hobson, MD, MHA, about the article, National Surgical Quality Improvement Program Underestimates the Risk Associated with Mild and Moderate Postoperative Acute Kidney Injury, published in the November 2013 issue of Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Bahorek is an associate professor of anesthesiology, surgery, and medicine, and a critical care nephrologist at the University of Florida in Gainesville, Florida. Dr. Hobson is a surgical intensivist in the Department of Surgery at the North Florida South Georgia Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Gainesville, Florida, and a doctoral candidate in health services research at the University of Florida. Um, welcome to both of you. Thank you, Margaret. Would you start by giving us some background to your study, um, why you looked at different definitions of acute kidney injury in the post-op patient, and what are the different definitions that are out there? So um, one of the reasons why I got interested in this, and I'm sure Chuck will agree with that, is that we both work in surgical intensive care unit, and we account with the patients who develop different type of post-operative complications. Just for the general knowledge, the post-operative medicine is a very important part of our national health budget allocation. The average American can expect to undergo seven surgical operations during her lifetime, and the post-operative complications every year come contribute to about 150,000 deaths because about one and a half million of patients develop some type of complication after surgery. So obviously, trying to prevent post-operative complication is a, a very important task for all physicians involved in perioperative care. Appreciation for acute kidney injury as a post-operative complication was really not present in a major surgical organizations, and I think that was the main impetus for us. We have done previously studies showing that post-operative acute kidney injury was common and that it was associated with a long-term survival decline in the patients, even among those who recover from acute kidney injury. But in spite of some random study or some rare studies that showed this, there was not much appreciation in the general population of physicians who take care of the surgical patients. So why is it important to look at different definitions for acute kidney injury? So if you look at the, if you, if you read uh, in a, the, since the time the rifle was published, that is the first consensus guideline for how to define acute kidney injury, where emphasis was placed on the less severe stages, meaning that patients who have even smaller changes here in creatinine that are often not considered pathological or important in clinical practice were encompassed by this definition. On the other hand, the most of the databases and the surgical society definition include acute kidney injury defined as a need for dialysis or as a very high change, a very big change in serum creatinine. And we know that those are much rare, uh, that those occur much uh, less common. 
So this study was actually aimed to understand that question, whether acute kidney injury is rare, severe complication, or is it common complication that is not always as severe, but even when if it's not severe, it's associated with adverse outcomes. So that was the major question we asked ourselves. I would just add that the measurement of quality in clinical medicine is becoming ever more important because how a physician does, how a provider organization does, it will have more and more bearing on how they succeed in the future of American medicine. The payers and patients both are going to be more and more attuned to the outcomes that are demonstrated by clinicians. So it's very important for the measures that we use for measuring outcome accurately reflect the significance of bad outcomes. And I would just emphasize that in our clinical experience as intensivists in a surgical ICU, we see clinically the negative implications of acute kidney injury. And with the ability to measure and accurately define mild and moderate degrees of acute kidney injury, and as those definitions have been studied over the last five to to 10 years, it's become apparent that even mild and moderate levels of acute kidney injury, much less than what cause a patient to require dialysis, have significant negative long-term implications. In fact, a study that Dr. Biharetz and I did about four years ago showed that even patients who have a mild degree of acute kidney injury and have complete recovery while in the hospital, so they're measures of kidney function are returned to normal, those patients, if you look at long-term outcomes, have a significant decrease in survival rate compared to people who don't have acute kidney injury. So we wanted to explicitly look at how well a very prominent and very respected surgical quality measure was doing in assessing acute kidney injury. So we we wanted to see how well their definition was doing in helping us determine which patients had acute kidney injury. Thank you. So how does the NISQIP definition differ from the rifle definition for acute kidney injury? So Margaret, let's just give you a little bit of background on the NISQIP. A National Surgical Quality Improvement Project is a very important project of America's uh, College of Surgery, because surgeons, because it is aimed to collect data nationally regarding how well centers perform for certain surgery types and especially in terms of surgical complications. It is curated database. The data is collected in a participating centers that participate by subscription, and usually it's done by the nurse who extract the data from the chart. 
it is not a raw database, so it requires definitions, and the complications are extracted on the base of definitions. That means that if you go to the NISQIP, you can only find the prevalence of AKI defined by their definition, mm-hmm. not by applying directly on the change in creatinine, because creatinine is not directly recorded in the data. Unfortunately, NISQIP uses very outdated definition of the AKI, where in order to call it acute renal dysfunction, you need to have either need for dialysis or you need to have a greater than 2 milligram per deciliter change in creatinine. Having said that, I'll give you an example why is that in not sensitive enough definition. Most of the patients who undergo surgery in their middle ages or, or elderly patients even more so have serum creatinine prior to surgery in the ranges between 0.6 and 0.8. So for those patients to develop change greater than 2 milligrams per deciliter, they need to go from, let's say, 0.8 to 2.8. That is mm-hmm. a huge increase, right? Absolutely. So it's much more than a tripling your creatinine. That means yeah. that you can three times decrease your glomerular filtration rate, actually much more than that, before you even are regarding having some kind of dysfunction. So that was one So if you go to the National Surgical Quality Improvement Project and look for the studies that looked in their databases to understand how common is AKI, you'll find two big studies, one published in anesthesiology and one in New England indirectly, and both of them reported that prevalence of AKI is between 1% and 2%. Yes, it's fatal because the increase, you know, severe AKI causes eight times more likely, eight times increase in mortality, but it's rare. Right. So it's insignificant for that reason. And if the common perception among clinicians is that acute kidney injury is a very serious, potentially fatal complication, but it is rare, then it will not, then clinicians will not have as much impetus to look for ways to prevent acute kidney injury, look for ways to minimize the impact of acute kidney injury. And like anything, if a clinician doesn't understand that there is, in fact, a complication, there's no, there's no impetus to try to change clinical practice to minimize that complication. So in parallel with the rising ability to understand mild and moderate acute kidney injury, and our understanding that it is, in fact, a common postoperative complication is an understanding that there are things that we can do as clinicians to help minimize the chance that a patient who is at risk will develop acute kidney injury. There are interventions in hemodynamic monitoring, in preventing exposures to procedures or materials that injure the kidney, and we have now the ability to diagnose acute kidney injury very rapidly after an insult. So for all of those potential interventions to have clinical meaning for a clinician, the clinician has to be able to, uh, The first off, the clinician has to know that a complication is occurring. So we wanted to see what was the real prevalence of mild and moderate acute kidney injury, not just 
severe acute kidney injury as defined by the ACS NISQIP criteria. So what did you do in this study? How did you sort that out? So what we did is we used the registry that we created here at the University of Florida, and it's a large data set of integrated databases, clinical databases for all patients who have major surgeries. So we encompassed really heterogeneous group of surgeries. We did not want to be selective and look only in the cardiac or non-cardiac. We included everybody who had major surgery, meaning that the patient required overnight stay in hospital. And not all of these patients had to go to ICU. In order to compare this to the NISQ, we excluded certain groups that are not included in the NISQ and really focused on those type of surgeries that are reported in the NISQ databases. Database, and then we applied two definitions in our population. And we used both a rifle consensus definition as well as a KDGO, that is the most recent modification of the rifle that defines my, the the AKI not just by 50% increase from the baseline, but also move downwards the criteria by allowing using absolute change of 0.3 milligram per deciliter. So those patients who would not qualify with a 50% increase would qualify if they have 0.3 milligram per deciliter increase in their serum creatinine. And we define these two groups using these criteria, and then we compare them in terms of the fact on mortality, and we also look in the fact on mortality. But even more importantly, what we did is we asked ourselves, is this relationship between changing creatinine after surgery or during hospitalization, is it continuous relationship? or there is a cutoff. So we look, use this change as a continuous value and plotted it against mortality and other complications like sepsis or prolonged mechanical ventilation. So what did you find when you looked at all, how many patients did you study and how, what was the prevalence of mild and moderate kidney injury by different definitions? So... This is a study, uh, this is a large, as I said, registry. Uh, we included 27,841 adult surgical patients and then applied two different definitions. So using rifle AKI, the prevalence was 37% for any type of AKI, any stage. While if you use NISQIP AKI definition, the prevalence was only 3%. As a matter of fact, no patients with mild to moderate AKI fulfilled the NISQIP AKI criteria in our group. And only 40% of patients with severe AKI fulfilled the criteria. So if you look overall, if you take all rifle AKI patients, 93% of, of those patients would never fulfill NISQIP criteria. So you can see that the NISQIP criteria severely underestimated the prevalence of mild and moderate AKI. But more importantly, if you look on, if you now look at the patients who did not fulfill NISQIP criteria, but they had AKI by rifle definition, you will find that they still have significant increase in mortality, and you would miss a lot of patients who would die in association with AKI. Is that both an acute and a long-term mortality difference? No, these are only, we looked at hospital mortality and 90 uh -huh. days mortality. Uh -huh. This study uh -huh. did not focus on, and this study really focused on 90 days mortality and, uh, and hospital mortality.
just just to clarify, because that's what the National Surgical Quality Improvement Program measures. Uh-huh. Yes. So we're limited to looking at short-term outcomes if we want to compare another protocol to the NISQIP protocol. Your question is excellent, though. Clearly, long-term outcomes are not captured by this kind of a study. They are important, and they're important not just for this kind of a research program, but they're also important for reporting, and there will be, there will be an increased pressure for quality reporting programs such as NISQIP to include longer-term outcomes. And that was the reason that we included 90 days mortality here, not just hospital mortality. And as Dr. Hobson mentioned, we did publish in 2009 and 10 in Annals of Surgery study looking at the long-term outcomes of rifle only, not at the NISQIP. And we have another study now in preparation that actually is looking in a cardiovascular-specific mortality after acute kidney injury in surgical patients. But to come back to another important finding in this study is, as I said, is that it's not just using these definitions where you use a specific cutoff that identify risk. If you use just percent change or absolute change as a continuous value, you develop this continuous relationship. And it's not just mortality. It's also other severe complications. So we found out that for every 10% increase in your creatinine above your reference or your baseline, you have about 6% increase of association with a severe sepsis and long-term mechanical ventilation and about 3% increase in 90 days mortality. Hmm. So, you know, it is a continuous relationship. If you look at the rifle AKI, then there is a tremendous increase in association with the severe sepsis and prolonged mechanical ventilation. And that was an interesting finding that later on we confirmed in another recent study we published in Annals of Surgery that the AKI is not just by itself driver associated with the adverse mortality effect or cost effect, but it also is clustering other complications. It's also associated with the risk for other complications. And we see that in everyday clinical practice. And not surprising for me because as a nephrologist, we know that kidney plays a very important part in maintaining homeostasis in organism, including fluid balance, volume status, anemia management, calcium metabolism, mineral balance. So all of these homeostatic mechanisms are disturbed in patients with acute kidney injury, and they impede our ability to maintain patients with multiple organ failure in some stable condition. That's how I perceive that as a nephrologist from a mechanistic standpoint. I would like to expand on a couple of things that you asked about. So in our cohort of patients, among all patients who had AKI by the rifle criteria but did not have AKI through the NISQIP criteria, there were over 600 excess deaths. So among those people who by NISQIP AKI had no evidence, by by the NISQIP criteria, had no evidence of acute injury, there were over 600 excess deaths in patients who had either uh, mild or moderate acute kidney injury uh, as measured by um, the RIFLE and KDIGO criteria. 
The second thing is in reference to Dr. Biharak's point about developing a continuum of measures of creatinine and a, or correlating the, a continuum of creatinine elevation with mortality, by a statistical analysis of that relationship, we were able to determine optimal discrimination levels. And it was interesting that for both mortality and for all of the, compl- the majority of the complications, serious post-operative complications we found, the optimal discrimination level was almost identically what the RIFLE and KDIGO criteria used as the determination of the difference between no acute kidney injury and mild acute kidney injury, which was 0.3 milligrams per deciliter rise in serum creatinine. So our study, in addition to showing that the NISQIP criteria, while very specific, is very insensitive, we also showed that the criteria that has been chosen to distinguish between mild AKI and no AKI in RIFLE and the KDIGO criteria is very appropriate. It's the right point of determination between patients who have acute kidney injury, mild acute kidney injury, and those who don't. What if NISQIP changed their definitions? Should they change their definitions? I mean, clearly there would be much more frequent AKI. What are the implications of that as a quality uh, improvement and reporting measure? That's an excellent question, Margaret. You know, one thing that is, so one organization did change, and it's STS, that is the Society for Thoracic uh, and Cardiovascular Surgery Quality Outcomes. They have changed their definition to actually rifle just recently. So it's an excellent question, and I don't know, I don't know whether um, uh, how would that be perceived in terms of having such a prevalent complication included in their database. But I certainly think that that uh, that's something that should be open for dialogue because from the point of intensivists or perioperative physicians, including anesthesiologists and surgeons, it is really critical that there are things that we can actually now do to deal with this complication. First of all, I think that the three main things that we, that we focus on are to prevent acute kidney injury overall of developing in a patient who at high risk. Second is to mitigate progression towards severe AKI dose in the mild and moderate stages. And a third is to alleviate effect of most severe AKI on other organ dysfunction in a patients in IC especially. You know, we now have ability to using clinical risk stratification tools to stratify patients. We have newly improved FDA-approved biomarkers for the further stratifications. So we do have ability to implement AKI bundle of care in a patient who had a high risk to overall prevent occurrence of AKI and prevent mitigation of the injury to most severe stages. So I think it is the time is ripe now to develop some global movement among primary caregiver for hospitalized patients towards how to standardize 
risk identification, prevention, and treatment of AKI in the patients who are hospitalized or patients who are in intensive care unit. And I think dialogue with the major societies about how to increase awareness and reporting about this complication, where to put our threshold in terms of sensitivity and specificity, needs to be open. As a surgeon and a surgical intensivist, I would say that this study absolutely is an argument for the American College of Surgeons changing its definition of acute kidney injury. The clinicians, if they are sensitive to a complication, they will do everything they can to prevent that complication from happening. Surgeons, like any clinician, want their patients to do well. They want their patients to get through the perioperative period quickly and with um, the least chance of a complication. That comes, first off, through awareness. Every surgeon knows the risk that a patient has of myocardial infarction and the negative consequences of a perioperative MI. And so we do a lot of stratification of patients preoperatively, and we do a lot of perioperative management for those patients who are at risk for perioperative myocardial infarction. That comes from an awareness of the negative implications of a perioperative MI. To the extent that we can raise the awareness of clinicians of uh, the, the prevalence of mild and moderate AKI, as well as the implications of AKI when it does occur, and that has that has come out of other literature over the last over the next five to ten years. I would say it is imperative that we change um, that the American College of Surgeons change its definition of acute kidney injury. It seems to me the implications of such a change are profound for our patients. We pay hospitals pay a great deal of attention to quality improvement measures that they have to report. And if the perception is that acute kidney injury is really quite rare and we don't have a problem with it here at our hospital, when in fact greater than 90% of the actual acute injury is mild or moderate and doesn't get picked up by the NISQIP definitions, yet does still have profound implications for the outcome of the patient, is really an important point for all of us to be aware of. Absolutely. And I couldn't have said it better. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, critical care, and I think here's another point, Margaret, that I would really like to emphasize. You know, the acute kidney injury has been an orphan syndrome or disease, just like a sepsis. Luckily, we see society of critical care medicine picking up sepsis as an important public health problem, right? It's a complex disease that is multifactorial and multiple types of physicians get involved in diagnosis and management of that disease. It's very similar with acute kidney injury. It was for a long time isolated in the world of nephrology, while nephrologists almost never see mild and moderate AKI. They mostly <laughs> see severe. I'm speaking there as a nephrologist. True. And as a matter of fact, it's the primary prevention that we need to focus, right? So we have to think about it. Who are the primary doctors who will see the patients? Who are at the risk? or who have mild or moderate AKI. So those are hospitalists, intensivists, surgeons, anesthesiologists, right? Right. And 
they need to pick up ownership of their disease. And I see Society of Critical Care Medicine as an important organization that can lead effort for the multidisciplinary team of physicians from different specialties, nurses, pharmacists, because all of these players are important, not just in identifying patients, but also sharing the things that can further aggravate AKI do not occur, right? So I think putting the ball in a play field where it should be, and that's like your ICU, it's your ward, it's your operating room, rather than keeping it some isolated world of nephrology consult is a really, really important. And I'm looking forward that society pick up on initiative and help develop some standardized approaches, just like we did for sepsis, because surviving sepsis campaign is a great one. And it helped uh, on so many levels for uh, taking care of septic patients. And I think it's time for surviving acute kidney injury campaign to take on. That's a very interesting thought. Uh, Do you have any additional comments you'd like to make, either one of you? No, I think we've we've pretty much hit it. I think you have presented a really interesting piece of work here. And um, I, I think you have done a real service to our patients in raising our level of attention. And as you say, Dr. Behora, before it gets to the nephrologist, because you're absolutely right, we call the nephrologist when the kidney injury is severe, but there is much that we can and should do before that point and to prevent that point. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. And You know, uh, as I said to my patients, ask your doctors about your kidneys because they really do matter. (laughs) So that would be my final message. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank Thank you. Bye-bye. We have been talking today with Drs. Behorek and Hobson from Gainesville, Florida, about the article, National Surgical Quality Improvement Program Underestimates the Risk Associated with Mild and Moderate Postoperative Acute Kidney Injury, published in the November 2013 issue of Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCriticalCare podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. This SCCM iCriticalCare podcast is sponsored by Astute Medical. Astute is dedicated to identifying and validating protein biomarkers that can serve as the basis for novel diagnostic tests. Astute's novel renal biomarkers, TIMP2 and IGF-BP7, are now commercially available in the U.S. as the NephroCheck test. Innovative biomarkers, smarter healthcare. You can find us at astutemedical.com. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members.
To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.